Back to Basics 2.0 Prevention of Perioperative Pressure Injury by Lisa Spruce AORN recently published a new guideline that provides recommendations for preventing pressure injury, PI, an important aspect of patient care. Pressure injuries involve localized damage to skin or underlying soft tissue layers as a result of pressure alone or pressure combined with shear. Generally, the affected tissue is over a bony prominence, but it may be associated with a medical device. Patients are at high risk of developing a PI during operative or other invasive procedures because they are immobile throughout most of the perioperative period. They also lack sensation and may be unable to express feelings of pain or discomfort when undergoing procedures. Surgical positioning is associated with the prevention of PI, and personnel should follow the recommendations for both safe positioning and prevention of PI. Reviewing and implementing the Guideline for Prevention of Perioperative Pressure Injury in its entirety should assist perioperative personnel with providing safe patient care. This article discusses some of the most important recommendations and provides scenarios to enhance understanding. Practice Point Performing a Risk Assessment To identify patients who are susceptible to developing PIs and implement preventative care to mitigate that risk, perioperative nurses should perform a preoperative PI risk assessment for every patient. The AORN guideline provides a detailed list of risk factors for PI development and includes both intrinsic, for example, age greater than 60 years, darker skin tone, history of immobility, and extrinsic, for example, hypothermia, type of OR bed mattress, general anesthesia, factors. Two important risk factors for PI development are the planned length of time that the patient will spend in the OR and their nutritional status. Because a procedure that lasts two hours from incision to wound closure can result in at least six hours of immobility, personnel should consider procedures lasting greater than two hours to be high risk. After six hours in the OR, each additional hour increases PI risk by at least 10%. Perioperative nurses should assess the patient's nutritional status even if there are laboratory test results. For example, albumin, prealbumin, available, because such test results do not provide a complete assessment of nutritional deficiencies. In addition to interviewing patients, regarding their nutritional status and healthcare conditions that may affect their PI risk, perioperative nurses also should conduct a thorough skin assessment and use a validated or reliable perioperative PI risk assessment tool that is patient age appropriate. The four tools available for use in the perioperative setting include the 1. Monroe Pressure Ulcer Risk Assessment Scale for Perioperative Patients 2. ELPO Risk Assessment Scale for the Development of Injuries Due to Surgical Positioning 3. PRAMS Perioperative Risk Assessment Measure for Skin and 4. Scott Triggers Tool All four tools address some risk factors for PI development. However, the tools lack uniformity and do not include all the key factors that may increase the patient's risk for developing a PI. Sidebar 1 provides additional details on each tool.
Although facility policies may include routine use of the Braden scale for assessment of patient risk for PI development, this tool does not address the risk factors specific to surgical patients and is not recommended for use in perioperative settings. Therefore, an interdisciplinary team that includes perioperative, that is, from all phases of care, and wound care nurses, anesthesia professionals, surgeons and wound care physicians, support quality management and risk management personnel, perioperative services executives or leaders, and patient representatives, such as a patient advocate or community member, should determine which perioperative risk assessment tool will be used at their facility. Additionally, the preoperative patient assessment should include an evaluation for the presence of 1. Medically necessary devices, for example, catheters, drains, immobilizers. 2. Prosthetic devices. 3. Body piercings or jewelry. 4. Superficial, for example, dermal, and critical, for example, pacemaker, implants. And 5. Hair enhancements, for example, braids, extensions. Pressure injuries may occur when a device causes pressure on the skin or becomes entrapped in skin folds. Common devices used during patient care, for example, cardiac leads identification bands, may cause PIs, especially in children. Practice Point Selecting and Using Support Services The interdisciplinary team should select the support services that personnel will use when caring for patients. Support services help to prevent PIs by redistributing the patient's weight over a large surface area, thereby reducing pressure. These surfaces may be dynamic, that is, active, meaning the point of body contact changes frequently, or static, that is, reactive, meaning the surface conforms and shapes to the patient's body passively. Dynamic surfaces are usually powered, and may include control of humidity and temperature between the patient and the surface. Reactive surfaces allow for patient immersion, thereby creating greater body surface contact. The greater the surface area, the lower the pressure. Although the most effective support surface has not been determined, there are several types of surfaces that redistribute pressure, including gel pads, foam of varying thickness or density, air cells or moving air, or fluid immersion simulation, for example, forced filtered air through ceramic beads. Foam overlays are available in a variety of thicknesses and densities, some of which may not be effective at preventing PI development. Researchers compared a 10-centimeter thick standard, that is, non-pressure redistributing, foam mattress, NPRFM, and a 12-centimeter thick pressure redistributing foam mattress, PRFM with the NPRFM being less dense than the PRFM. They found that the PRFM reduced the likelihood of PI development by 86%. Odds ratio equals 0.14. 95% confidence interval equals 0.03 to 0.64. P equals 0.011. The researchers also noted that the average time to PI development was shorter for the NPRFM participants, 4.3 days, than it was for the PRFM participants, 8.5 days. Perioperative personnel should position patients on surfaces that redistribute pressure and avoid unplanned patient movement. 
After using a PI risk assessment tool and identifying a high-risk patient, personnel should position the patient on an alternating air pressure support surface and place pressure redistributing padding to support and avoid pressure on contact points, for example, sacrum, heels. Additional padding may be necessary when caring for patients with obesity or older adult patients. Practice Point Performing a Technology-Based Postoperative Assessment Perioperative and Post-Anesthesia Care Unit, PACU, nurses, should assess patients for PIs after surgery and collaborate based on the findings to evaluate any injuries and determine the appropriate follow-up care. They should assess patients for blanchable erythema, which may be one of the first visible signs of a PI, and changes in skin temperature or texture or pain sensation. The National Pressure Ulcer Advisory Panel's Revised Pressure Injury Staging System states that purple or maroon discoloration may indicate a deep tissue PI. By the time redness of the skin is visible, tissue necrosis and irreversible damage already may have occurred. Therefore, perioperative personnel may use technology-based skin assessments to identify tissue status and injuries that are not yet visible. Such assessments require tools that can identify biocapacitance changes, that is, changes in the electric charge in a tissue region, via subepidermal moisture, SEM, measurement, or that assess impaired perfusion with thermography. A SEM tool measures the accumulation of fluid, that is, edema, below the epidermis that is associated with the tissue injury. This fluid is not visible during the initial stages of injury and is a biomarker of a developing PI. Results of a 2022 systematic review of the available evidence, both animal and human research studies, written in English regarding SEM, showed that a consistent abnormal deviation in SEM measurements corresponded with visible PI development. The reviewers concluded that use of SEM technology allows personnel to detect PI development earlier than they would using only visual identification. Subepidermal moisture measurement technology may be a useful addition to PI prevention strategies in the preoperative and postoperative areas. Thermography allows measurement of temperature differences in skin tissue. As a non-invasive technique that does not require patient contact, thermography uses long-wave infrared technology to create a two-dimensional image that shows warm tissue, which is well-perfused and healthy, and cold tissue, which is not. Because it may be difficult to identify skin redness in patients with darkly pigmented skin, personnel should consider using technology to measure SEM or temperature when assessing patients with darkly pigmented skin. When conducting the postoperative skin assessment, RN circulators should use their knowledge of intraoperative patient care, for example, positioning devices used, to identify signs of PI on pressure areas. They should communicate information on the patient's risk factors and any areas of concern to the PACU nurse during the handover report. During the initial recovery period, the PACU nurse should monitor any identified pressure areas and, if possible, avoid placing the patient in the same position used intraoperatively. Conclusion Patients are at risk for developing PIs during surgical procedures. 
and this risk may be exacerbated by additional intrinsic and extrinsic factors. To mitigate PI risk, perioperative nurses should use a validated and reliable tool to perform a preoperative PI risk assessment on all patients. An interdisciplinary team should identify pressure-reducing support surfaces to be used during operative or other invasive procedures. Thermography and SEM technology can assist personnel with identifying a potential PI before it is visible and facilitate treatment. Proactive assessment and implementation of interventions to prevent PIs should help perioperative nurses provide safe patient care. This Back to Basics 2.0 article contains three knowledge checks. I will now read the first knowledge check for the practice point, performing a risk assessment. Ravi, an RN circulator, enters the preoperative area to interview Mrs. L, an 80-year-old black patient with a current wound infection from a diabetic foot ulcer. Dr. H, the surgeon, scheduled Mrs. L for a wound debridement with a local anesthetic and propofol and placement of a negative pressure wound therapy device to promote healing. During the interview, Ravi learns that Mrs. L has a type 2 diabetes diagnosis and experiences chronic immobility. Ravi discusses the planned position with Mrs. L and determines that she can tolerate the supine position if there is a pillow under her knees. Mrs. L tells Ravi that she does not have a history of PI, but wonders if her immobility has contributed to the wound infection in her foot. As Ravi prepares Mrs. L for transport to the OR, Malachi, an anesthesia professional, enters the preoperative area to interview Mrs. L and discusses her anesthetic plan of care. After the interview, Ravi reminds Malachi that the facility leaders recently implemented a PI risk assessment tool and that they should use it for Mrs. L. Malachi agrees, and together they conduct the risk assessment, which indicates that Mrs. L is at a high risk of developing a PI. They realize that they will need to employ interventions to prevent a PI. Ravi and Malachi transport Mrs. L to the OR and position her on the OR bed. Malachi administers propofol before Ravi performs patient skin antisepsis. Dr. H. and Emmett, the physician assistant, perform a surgical hand scrub and enter the OR to don sterile gowns and gloves. As he ties Dr. H.'s and Emmett's gowns, Ravi mentions that Mrs. L. is at a high risk for developing a PI according to the recently implemented risk assessment tool and suggests using preventative measures, such as additional padding under the sacral area. Malachi states that they padded the bony prominences, for example, head, scapula, arms, and confirmed Mrs. L's comfort before administering propofol. Emmett agrees that Mrs. L is at a high risk for PI development, but is unsure what additional measures should be implemented. Dr. H states that the procedure should require approximately two hours, and additional measures are not needed. Two hours after incision, Malachi decreases the propofol infusion to assess Mrs. L's comfort. Mrs. L immediately becomes restless and complains that her lower back feels numb and painful. Ravi suggests repositioning, but Dr. H states that the procedure is almost complete and then directs Malachi to administer additional propofol instead. Malachi continues to administer propofol as needed, and Dr. H completes the procedure approximately an hour later. 
When turning Mrs. L on her side before transferring her to the transport cart, Ravi notices that the sacral area is reddened. In this scenario, who did not follow the practice point? A. Dr. H. B. Ravi. C. Emmett. Or D. Malachi. I will now provide the answer. In this scenario, Dr. H. did not follow the recommended practice point. I will now read the second knowledge check for the practice point, selecting and using support surfaces. An interdisciplinary team, comprising a perioperative nurse, the perioperative nurse manager and materials manager, a wound care nurse and physician, an anesthesia professional, an orthopedic surgeon, the risk manager, and a patient representative, meet to discuss PI prevention for patients undergoing orthopedic procedures. Stasi, the risk manager, provides data on the number of incident reports addressing PIs after surgery that she has received in the past two years. She notes that there has been an increase in the number of reports involving development of sacral area PIs. Javier, the perioperative nurse manager, and Siobhan, a perioperative RN, Note that the mattress pads used during orthopedic procedures were purchased more than 10 years ago. Siobhan mentions that several of the mattresses have a depressed area where the patient's sacrum rests, and patients routinely comment that they can feel the hard bed surface underneath them. Javier notes that he has included mattress pad replacement in budget proposals for the past three years, but the organization leaders have not approved the requests. Stasi tells Javier that her report on perioperative PIs will support mattress replacement and advises the team to move forward with the project. Luisa, the perioperative materials manager, volunteers to contact vendor representatives for information on mattress replacement and request sample mattresses for evaluation. Siobhan asks to be involved with the product evaluation process. During the next few weeks, Siobhan meets with vendor representatives and the orthopedic team members trial several products during procedures. Before the next interdisciplinary team meeting, Siobhan compiles data on the trials and shares the results with Javier. They agree that a PRFM that includes gel is likely the best choice. They also agree that some patients may require additional pressure-reducing interventions, such as a dynamic, that is, powered, surface with airflow. When they present their recommendations at the meeting, most of the team members agree with the recommendations. Stasi says that her report to the organization leaders is almost complete, and she will add the recommendations. Luisa says it sounds like the plan might work, adding that she has contacted a local contractor who performs work for the department and is already creating 10-centimeter NPRFM replacements at a reduced cost. In this scenario, who did not follow the practice point? A. Stasi, B. Luisa, C. Siobhan, or D. Javier. I will now provide the answer. In this scenario, Luisa did not follow the recommended practice point. I will now read the third and final knowledge check for the practice point, performing a technology-based postoperative assessment. Mr. A, a 45-year-old black patient, is admitted to the hospital for an emergency exploratory laparotomy. Although he has high blood pressure that is treated with medication, the rest of his health history is unremarkable. Faye, 
the RN circulator, prepares the OR for the procedure, and then interviews Mr. A in the preoperative area. She inspects his skin for redness before using thermography to assess temperature differences and does not identify any areas of concern. As she transports Mr. A into the OR, Faye realizes that the OR bed has a new PRFM on it. She therefore has no concerns when she places Mr. A in the supine position. Before draping the surgical site, the team discusses Mr. A's risk of PI, and Dr. T, the anesthesia professional, states that even though the risk is not high, he placed a gel headrest and armboard pads for additional protection. At the end of the three-hour procedure, and before transporting Mr. A to the PACU, Faye assesses him for a possible PI. She does not identify any reddened areas on the skin, and the thermography results are normal. During the handover report in the PACU, Faye shares procedure and risk factor information with Omar, the PACU-RN. She recommends that Omar avoid placing Mr. A in the supine position and use thermography to assess the skin before discharge from the PACU. Three days after the procedure, the perioperative nurse manager summons Faye to her office for a meeting with Therese, the risk manager. Faye learns that the day before the meeting, Mr. A's nurse in the intensive care unit submitted an incident report regarding a PI on Mr. A's scapula. As part of a root cause analysis, Therese asks Faye to detail the nursing actions during the intraoperative period. Faye explains how she assessed Mr. A before and after the procedure in the OR and describes the intraoperative patient positioning. She also mentions the recommendations that she shared with Omar in the PACU regarding Mr. A's postoperative position and the use of thermography. Therese reviews Mr. A's health record and confirms that the OR documentation reflects the information that Faye shared. She then reviews the PACU documentation and notes that Mr. A's position was supine during most of his PACU stay. She is unable to find any thermography documentation after transfer from the OR. In this scenario, who did not follow the practice point? A. Faye B. Therese C. Omar or D. Dr. T. I will now provide the answer. In this scenario, Omar did not follow the recommended practice point. 